The title for our message this evening, our New Year's Eve message is New Year, New Me. And um, we're going to have newness on our mind, newness on our minds, new year, new hopes, new resolutions perhaps, new plans, new goals, new relationships, new progress in the Lord we trust, new blessings, and new service for Jesus Christ. We have new on our minds tonight. And I just want to take us to one scripture verse this evening. You know it. You've memorized it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, which says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, behold, new things have come. I trust that's your testimony as a believer in Jesus Christ, or it would be your testimony if you come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus in this service. I want to take this under three points. The first point from this one verse is not everyone is in Christ. You do believe that, right? Not everyone is in Christ. It says that in verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ. That tells us that not every man or woman or boy and girl is in Christ. And I hate to break it to you, in our great country, we are no longer a Christian nation. We have over 3,000 churches, they tell me, in Nassau, but a church doesn't make you a Christian. Merely believing in God doesn't make you a Christian either. Because we know the scriptures tell us that Satan believes in God. Jesus Christ himself said that the way to heaven is narrow, maybe like Dog Flea Alley by Mackie and Shirley. But the road to destruction or hell is broad, maybe like JFK opposite the fusion theaters. More people are going to be going to hell, unfortunately, than will be going to heaven. And so not everyone is in Christ. In fact, it's easy to be in the church and not yet be in Christ. Think about Noah's family in the Old Testament. Only eight persons in Noah's family were judged by God to be righteous, and all the rest of the population of earth were not righteous. And their sin got to the point that God judged that sin with a global flood. And Noah's eight-person family were all spared after that catastrophic flood. Why? Because God had Noah build an ark, and gave opportunity to the family of eight to trust God to get inside the ark and to weather the global flood. And so what I'm saying is that not everybody is in the ark of Christ. This evening, any evening, any country, not everyone is in the ark of Jesus Christ. We all need to be because we all deserve the flood waters of judgment against our sin. And there's only one ark that God's provided, and that's the person and the work of Jesus, and we get into that ark, we get into Christ by confessing our need of because we're sinners, and his adequacy and sufficiency and sacrifice on the cross, and we're born again. And so the first point then is simply that not everyone is in Christ. The second point tonight is not every creature is a new creature. Scripture tells us in the second part of this verse, it says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Not every creature that God has made is a new creature. 
Scripture tells us that every man, every woman, is made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 to 27, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man, that is man and woman, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. So every person you meet this new year as God spares life, every person you meet, every person I meet is made in God's image. They have value. They will live after death, one of two places. They have the capacity to understand good and evil. The capacity to be creative to some measure. Every person is made in the image of God. But... Every human before conversion is in Adam. In Adam. It says in Romans 5.19, For as through the one man's disobedience, that one man we know from context is Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, we know from context that's Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So on the one hand, every human being you'll ever meet is made in the image of God. On the second part, in that same regard, every human being without Jesus Christ is in Adam. He is our federal head. We are associated with him, and we are therefore sinners because he sinned. We are born sinners, and we need a savior. The third point I want us to see under the one that not every creature is a new creature is that every human needs to be in Christ. Every human being needs to be in Christ. It says in Romans 8, 28, and 29, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. And so what are we saying out of the second point? We're saying that not every creature is a new creature. Every human being is a creature, a creation made of God in the image of God. Every human without Jesus Christ is in need of a savior because we are in Adam. Every human needs to be in Christ. Maybe I could go back to the ark Noah's Ark, we could say under the point every human is made in God's image is that every human is worth being in the ark, worth being spared. Every human is in Adam. That means we all are deserving of the flood waters. None of us can say if judged of God apart from Jesus Christ, I don't deserve this. Apart from Jesus Christ, we all deserve the wrath of God. And every human being needs to be in Christ. In the ark language, we need to be in the ark. We won't make it to heaven if we are not in the ark of Christ when the wrathful floodwaters, as it were, of God's judgment are poured out. But there's more. Every saved human who is in the ark of Christ ought to be going in the same direction, ought to be going in the same, to the same destination. Your faces are different as your DNA. 
We're all unique, precious in the sight of God. And the redeemed who are here tonight, although we're all unique, precious in the sight of God, we are moving, at least we ought to be moving, progressing in the same direction with each other toward the same destination for each other, which is Christ-likeness. Going back to Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me stop. It's his purpose singular. Notice that? It's not his purposes. We are called according to his purpose singular. One shared purpose. We're in the ark of Jesus Christ for salvation, and the ark is moving in one direction for all of us. It's moving to one glorious destination for all of us. And what is that destination and goal? To his purpose, for whom he foreknew, watch now, he predestined what? To become conformed to the image of his son. That's why we're in the ark of Christ. And I pray that in 2019, I was more conformed to the image of Christ than I was in 2018. And I pray that in 2019, my conformity of Christ will not be as uh, formed as will be my conformity to Christ in 2020. That's the ark I'm in, Christ. That's the direction God is calling that ark. And if you're saved, you're in the ark with me. And God is moving you tenderly, steadily, graciously, mercifully to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday, but not as much like Jesus as you'll be tomorrow. Every creature is not a new creature. Are you a new creature? Are you in Adam, a sinner? Or have you come into Christ, the ark, and been deemed righteous? This is a penetrating question, not just on New Year's Eve, but at all times. Yes, not every creature is a new creature. Not every person created in God's image is in the ark of Christ. You get into the ark of Christ by acknowledging your sin, Jesus' cross and empty tomb, and trusting him and him alone to make you safe through the floodwaters of God's judgment. And so, so far we've seen in this one precious verse, not everyone is in Christ. Second, not every creature is a new creature. Third point, not everything old is worth keeping. That may sound redundant or obvious, but let me say it. Not everything old is worth keeping. I see that in 17, same verse. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Watch, the old thing the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know of antique uh, collectors who value old things, and they, they uh, see the value of those old things, uh, uh, appreciate with time. But some old things are not worth keeping. They're not worth keeping at all. And so Beth and I in our married life have moved four times. And each time that we have moved we have had to sort out our things. (laughs) We've had to sort out things to sell some of them, to give some of them away, and to throw some of them away. And what I've learned in these four moves is that belongings are like cat hair. They cling to you even when you're not aware. But worse, you know, sins are also like cat hair. They cling to us sometimes without us even knowing it, 
And that's what makes the point we're looking at right now, which is not everything old is worth keeping. In fact, old things that dishonor Jesus Christ must be thrown away. They must not be kept. And so my brother or my sister in the Lord Jesus, I humbly, lovingly ask, here at the end of 2019, are there old things that you need to ditch? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 likens the Christian life to a race, foot race. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I ask myself and I ask you, at the end here of 2019 and the cusp of 2020, are there any old things that dishonor Christ that we should ditch? Mindful of the true story of the mother who was at the kitchen sink, mother of three young children, she was at the kitchen sink doing something, and she looked out the window to her backyard, and she saw her three little children, each with a skunk in its arms. <laughs> she put up the window, and she said, Children, run! With that, all three of the children grabbed their skunks harder and ran. Christians can be like that. The Holy Spirit can say, You're holding a skunk. Run! And we cling to our little pet sins that nobody knows about, perhaps, and we run away clinging to them. It could be tonight that the Lord has brought you under the sound of the Word of God tonight to point out by His Spirit that there may be some old things from your old life that need to be ditched. Galatians 2.20 is a very interesting spiritual life and identity verse. Galatians uh, uh, 2.20 says this. Paul writing. I have been crucified with Christ. Wait a minute, Paul. You're writing to the churches in Galatia. And there were no survivors of crucifixions. So what do you mean, I have been crucified with Christ? And he goes on. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Galatians 2.20 teaches us that in the mind of God, positionally, we have been crucified with Christ. If we're saved, the old man or woman that you once were has been crucified with Christ, killed, and you have been raised in union with Jesus Christ in resurrection to new spiritual life, abundant life, Christ's life. And so when we know that, we say maybe, I don't feel like it often. I can't really see it that way, Pastor, sometimes. Well, wouldn't you want to see it the way that heaven sees it? That's the way that God sees you as a believer, crucified with Christ, resurrected with Christ to a new life, not clinging to skunks, having the ability to drop skunks, to live for God. Years ago, before cell phones and WhatsApp and what have you, a couple that lived rather raucously in sin before Christ went to rather wild drinking parties with the socialites in Philadelphia that they mingled with. 
were saved gloriously. Both were saved. They went to 10th Presbyterian Church where uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse became their pastor and the one who started to disciple them to grow in grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior. And uh, the couple went to Dr. Barnhouse and said, hey, you know what happened? Uh, Our old friends sent us an invitation to a bad party uh, in the mail. And Dr. Barnhouse said, really, what did you do? And the man said, oh, we RSVP'd and said, Muriel and I cannot attend the party on Monday because they both died on the 27th. They reckoned themselves to be crucified with Christ to the old way of looking at things and prioritizing things and finding significance and such. They say, we're dead. (laughs) We don't go to parties like that anymore. We've been crucified. We're dead. And so as believers, tonight we have to ask ourselves, are there any pesky old things that when we look at Scripture, we read they really can't be ditched until we see Jesus Christ face to face through our physical deaths or through the rapture of the church. What do you mean, Pastor Rob? I mean that my old man, my sin nature, my flesh still wants to take control of my redeemed life. And so does your old man or woman and your flesh, and it won't fully be dealt with until you see Jesus, either through physical death, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, or when we're raptured to be with him, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus to ever be with the Lord. So what about that? What about your old man or your old woman or our flesh that is pesky and nagging and and such, and and we won't see it totally defeated until we see Christ face to face. What about that? Well, first of all, we have to know what our enemy wants to do. Our flesh, our old man, our sin nature, what that collective force wants to do is control us so that the Holy Spirit won't control us. And the desire of our flesh and our old man or woman to control rather than the Holy Spirit control is relentless. And it's like a chameleon. Those things are like a chameleon. They're blend in so you don't even are aware what they're working sometimes. And the relentlessness of the flesh to want to control us instead of having the Holy Spirit control us is 24-7. And in 2020, it will be 366Y. It's a leap year. 2020 is a leap year. So our flesh will want to work 366Y if Christ doesn't come back for us or we're not promoted through physical death. And so in Galatians 5, we have the contrast of the deeds of the flesh, the Christian who is allowing him or herself to be controlled by the flesh, the old man, the sin nature, versus the believer in Jesus Christ who rejects that and lets the Holy Spirit control uh, everything. So let's start with Galatians 5, 16 to 21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, that is, live controlled by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, capital S, and the spirit, capital S, against the flesh. So we got civil war going on inside of us constantly as Christians. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, capital S, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, now watch this, this is an ugly list. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the flesh, the old man, the sin nature that you still have and I still have, doesn't take a day off, doesn't take a vacation, probably doesn't sleep. And the Holy Spirit, the same could be said of him, he doesn't take a vacation, he doesn't take a day off, and he probably doesn't sleep, and the two are in opposition with each other. And who wins out is the one that we grant control to at any given moment. Now, I want to say something to the precious folks that might be here tonight that don't have this battle going on in them yet. Their spirit is dead in sin still. They're unconverted. They're not Christians yet. They're not redeemed. So all they have to operate out of is their flesh. They don't have the Holy Spirit yet in them. I want to say a word to those precious friends. God calls you lost. You're unconverted. You need Jesus as Savior tonight. You need to get into the ark of Christ so that you can weather the righteous, just wrath of God against sin waves of the flood, as it were. But God not only says that you precious friends are lost, he also says that you're dead. You're spiritually dead because you're in need of life, Christ's life. Instead of old death, your old death. And so we're under this point in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're seeing for sure that not everything old is worth keeping. You say, Pastor, I, I sense what you're talking about. I, I know my flesh is ruling the roost, and I don't see any alternative right now. I don't see any of the power to overrule my flesh. That's, I understand that, Pastor, and I would like to get the Holy Spirit that you're referring to to live inside of me and to deal with my flesh. I really would because I'm a sinner and need to get in the ark of Christ. What you could do tonight, the last night of 2019, is simply acknowledge from your heart to God's in silent prayer that I'm a sinner in need of the Savior. I need to be made new. I need to have my old person crucified with Christ. I need to become the temple, the house of the Holy Spirit. I need to have power to overrule my flesh available to me in me. And I trust Jesus and only Jesus to make that possible. That's how a person moves from being lost, unconverted, spiritually dead, to being redeemed, made alive in Christ. My prayer would be that would be everyone here. No one would leave here and go into 2020 lost in sin. And now I turn to my brothers and sisters in Christ, to every Christian in the sound of my voice. And 2020 is an opportunity for us to let the Holy Spirit resident within us, to let the Holy Spirit ditch the old that saddens God in our lives. To let the Holy Spirit who camps in our hearts produce the new that honors our Savior. 
These are our opportunities. And in Galatians 5, 16, and then 22 to 25, these are very familiar verses, but let's let them wash over us in encouragement, brother and sister. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. It's a mismatch. The Holy Spirit always defeats the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's singular, friends, not plural. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is saying that the Holy Spirit, when given control in the believer's life, will produce a magnificent fruit. And when you spin the fruit and look at every aspect and side of the fruit, it's all those nine beautiful qualities that I read in the text. The fruit of the Spirit. And you know what is fruit, right? When you have a fruit tree, mango tree perhaps, if you have a mango tree, you don't just watch the mangoes mature on the branches of the tree and watch them rot on the branches, right? The mangoes are on the tree to uh, give you uh, nutrition or persons you gift with the fruit, nutrition, and refreshment. I love it that you have to eat a mango in the sea. I never knew that before I moved here. It's wonderful. The fruit of the Spirit is never produced on the branches of the Christian's life for the benefit of the Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is produced on the branch of the Christian's life for the benefit of all the people around the Christian. His husband or his uh, wife or her husband or the kids or the grandkids or the brother or sister in Christ in the church family or the person you work beside at the workstation Monday to Friday. The fruit of the Spirit hangs on the branches of your Christian life for the benefit, for the nutrition, for the refreshment of people around you. So the question becomes, as we go into 2020, will we as believers let the Holy Spirit ditch the old in us that saddens God and produce the new in us that honors God? I hope we will. (laughs) As we've been saying, not everything old is worth keeping. And so to review in this one power-packed verse, what have we seen so far? We've seen one, not everyone is in Christ. Two, not every creature is a new creature. Three, not everything old is worth keeping. And now we move to our fourth and last point. Number four, new is not just nice. New is the new normal. New is not just nice. New is the new normal. The last part of verse 17. Listen, please. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Have come. The new is not just nice. The new is the new normal. Let's talk about the normal Christian life. What do we mean by the normal Christian life? Well, as defined by Scripture, when we say the normal Christian life, listen now, the normal Christian life is the life described by the New Testament, the life which is salt and light, the life that chooses faith and prayer, the life that resembles Jesus, the life that is a testimony to salvation, the life lived for God's glory, the life that puts Jesus first, others second, and oneself last, the life thankful to the Lord, the life driven by the Holy Spirit, the life that is supernatural, the life that is crucified with Christ, the life that is abundant, and the life that Christ died to give us. That's the normal Christian life. Now, with these understandings of the normal Christian life, 
please know that such a life, in such a life new, is expected by God. New is not just nice if it happens. New is to be your new normal. But there's more. New is not only expected by God, and new should also be expected by the Christians who know us. I want you to imagine you were in Waterford, Michigan in 1983, August, and you were part of the 600 persons that witnessed our wedding. We didn't feed them all. (laughs) They heard me make promises to God to Beth before 600 witnesses. And they witnessed Beth make promises to God and to me before 600 witnesses. Let's say six months later we were in a restaurant and two people that were witnesses of our wedding were there but we didn't know it. And I was harsh in the restaurant toward Beth, unreasonable, impatient, and I embarrassed her in front of the waiter. I would hope that the man who was at our wedding would come over to the table and say, Rob, may I speak to you in private? And that he would take me to the men's room and he would say, listen, man, I saw and heard how you treated your wife. That doesn't honor Jesus Christ, it doesn't honor her, and it doesn't line up with the vows you made at the wedding I was a witness to. If I looked at him and said, man, who do you think you are? Where do you get off telling me that? You're you're not the Holy Spirit. Back off, mind your own business. If I said any of that, it would be wrong. And so it is that when we come to Christ for salvation, when we plug into a local assembly such as this one, and we live for Christ, if we flagrantly dishonor Jesus Christ, any and every one of us in love should be able to go to us and say, hey woman, That is sin. Hey, man, that dishonors Jesus. And we have no right to say, who do you think you are? Mind your own business. So new is not just nice. New is the new normal. God expects new. The Christians around you expect new. The Christians around me should expect new from me. But you know what else? It's not just God that expects new. It's not just brothers and sisters in Christ that expect new. It ought to be you and me that expect new in us, in ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 5, 15, that leads into 17, referring to Jesus, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. This new living because of Jesus is God's will for everyone who's saved. It's like the moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit hung a big sign around your neck which reads, Under New Management. And you carry that sign, that invisible sign, around with you everywhere you go, every day. Under New Management. I tell you what, when I return to a business which has a sign up in its window under new management, I expect new, I don't expect the same. Take a restaurant, for instance. 
which is claiming to be under new management. I expect a new menu. I expect some new servers. I expect probably a new cook. And even better, I expect lower prices. But I'll tell you something. If I go to that restaurant and it says under new management and nothing's changed, the service is still bad, the prices are too high, and the food's no good, that turns me off like you wouldn't believe. It drives me away from that restaurant like you wouldn't believe. And guess what? When we have under new management hung around our necks as believers and we aren't new, it turns people off. I think that I'm not unique, but in the five years almost I've been in Nassau, when I ask someone why they don't go to church anymore, they said because the Christians are hypocrites. Under new management and not being new is poisonous. Gandhi, the Indian spiritual leader, as a student visited a church in Calcutta. The usher denied him a seat And he said, the seats in our church are for higher castes than you and white people. Gandhi never went back to a Christian church again. And he said, if it weren't for Christians, I would be a Christian. Under new management, new isn't just nice. New is the new normal. I know the Lord has convicted me as I have prepared this message, and maybe he's been convicting you too. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Let us pray. Lord, not everyone is new. Help us to share our faith. Not every creature is a new creature. Help us to respect people but know that they need Christ. Not everything old is worth keeping. Help us to ask the Holy Spirit to ditch the old that needs to go. And Lord, thank you for those who have every right to expect that we're new. And may we deliver in the power of the Holy Spirit a new normal which is new. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.